Hey, thank you for joining us on the stairway from earth to heaven. Today, we're going to talk about the ancient sacred texts and why the writings of the prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics are so important. Why do they matter to us? And what about these texts brings us to the grand phases of the soul, the actual purification journey of the soul, discrimination, discipline. I'm bringing with me my producer, Brian Malam, who is going to talk with me about these things. We're going to talk about some of these uh, quotes from the prophet, saints, mystics, and sages. And later on, we're going to take a miniature journey through hypnosis to the pure lands, which in Buddhism is the worlds where the great masters reside, but it is also a place that I have visited myself many times in mystical experiences where they actually do reside. We're going to take him there, have him meet uh, one of the masters and receive energy and vibration from him, and you will be able to follow along and do the same for yourself. Um, the purpose of this is to bring about and bring back into your physical body some of the energies that are going to assist you in beginning this out-of-body travel pathway for yourself, but also to assist you in the beginning stages of the purification path. But before we continue, let me introduce my producer, the one, the only, Brian Malin. Hey, hey everyone. <laughs> Thank you to, for coming. Thank you for having me. I am very honored that you agreed to do this with us. This is really going to be helpful to have someone to share. You know, as um, as you know, and as we've talked about, um, I often do a lot of this one on one with many of my clients, um, and so having you here is going to make it so much easier to show people how it's done when we're doing it one on one but also to uh, give people the opportunity to uh, observe it um, as well as try it themselves. So we're gonna do that a little bit later, but Brian and I are gonna be talking about purification for starters right here. And part of the reason we're talking with Brian is because Brian is the one who produced and created the documentary film, which is being premiered at this event which is the grand phases of the soul. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Brian? Um, I, you're just kind of catching me um, out of left field. I, I'm so sorry. What is, <laughs> what is this, um, is a documentary of some sort? So yeah. yes. <laughs> so this kind of, this came out of a, a podcast that we've been doing. And uh, we, of course, the main body of your work has to do with the grand phases of the soul straight out of, mysteries of the redemption and so it just uh, organically came out of that and we were doing all these vignettes where we would just take certain sections of certain ideas and thoughts and we would make little shorts out of them and then pretty soon we came around to well you know let's organize all this into a, a digestible um, bite-sized uh, chunk where it's Someone can jump into it and go, oh, okay, so here's what I do. Here's step one, purification. And okay, here's this discrimination process where, okay, good is, oh, that's good and that's evil. And, and then the discipline where we just really put it all into, into practice. And so it's been a great journey and it's an honor to, to be here 
and to uh, be a part of this. I feel like I won the lottery. And no, you know, so like with you doing the work that you, <laughs> you doing the work that you do with clients, with your, you know, tens of thousands of out-of-body experiences to all these different realms and all these, this past life work that you've done. And so to take people through that, and then you're getting all these hits. And, you know, when you're working with people individually, it's like, oh, well, now I'm going to take them here. Oh, okay, well, let's go over here. And so this is going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. So, okay. Have fun. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for, uh, for, for the documentary and for all of the work you're doing there. And I really appreciate you having this dialogue with me today about the uh, purification journey of the soul here, which is where we're going to begin. Um, because we want to talk about purification in general. And I want to tell everybody that you can follow along with us by going to the website at outofbodytravel.org. And if you click on out of body books, you can download any of my books freely there. Um, Brian just mentioned The Mysteries of the Redemption, a treatise on out of body travel and mysticism, which the grand phases of the soul is based on where these grand phases are laid out in great detail. You can download that book there. We are gonna be utilizing the Mysteries of the Redemption devotional today, Astral Projection Made Easy, and also near-death and out-of-body experiences of the prophets, saints, mystics, and sages in world religions. And so if you would like to follow along, uh, you know, as you can, you can download those books at the website or do that later and uh, investigate it further. So we're going to start here with um, a little bit of information that I think is really important just to get the foundation here, which is uh, what is mystical theology? A lot of people do not understand that mystical theology is a science. Um, mystical theology is the science of the purification of the soul. And um, this is why we are uh, trying to uh, study this um, according to Augustine Poulain, who was a priest and a mystical and ascetical theologian, he said this in 1912, mystical theology is the science which treats of acts and experiences or states of the soul, which cannot be produced by human effort or industry, even with the ordinary aid of divine grace. It comprises among its subjects all extraordinary forms of prayer, the higher forms of contemplation in all their varieties or gradations, private revelations, visions, and the union growing out of these between God and the soul known as the mystical union. Uh, so as the science of all that is extraordinary in the relations between divinity and the human spirit, Mystical theology is the complement of ascetical, which treats of Christian perfection and of its acquisition by the virtue, by the practice of virtue. So let's put that in layman's terms, Brian. So <laughs> mm -hmm. what does that mean to the people who are listening here? It means that we are talking about the states of out-of-body travel that souls can achieve and reach um, through uh, extraordinary experiences that people have through the spiritual life. Um, so what I, the first thing that comes up for me is, uh, is vibration. 
and knowledge yes. is vibration. And so if we are at a certain vibrational level, then we can only go so far with our experiences. And right. Because every stage that we go through, we have to be able to embody that energy to be compatible with it so that we can even go there. And so how we do that is through the purification process. And the purification process for me right away has to do with um, the seven deadly sins and how that comes up in our life. And so to have the scrutiny to look at that and to start to um, give that up and, and um, evolve through that and, and see how it affects our lives so that we can then move on to the next stage and the next and the next. That's perfect. And you know, that is so important. One of the things I often point out is exactly this. Knowledge is not information. It is vibration. Ironically, one of the hallmarks of out-of-body experiences is the vibrational state. People will go through vibrational raisings and experiences to help spirits to reach a higher vibrational thrust so they can move to higher and higher realms of knowledge. Um, one of the things that people often don't realize is that the journey of purification actually can and often does instigate the journey of mysticism or out-of-body travel. Um, and so this is something you can learn about more in um, Astral Projection Made Easy, but I'm going to refer back to that right now because you mentioned something very important, the seven deadly sins in our life. So let's remember what they are. We have pride, envy, anger, sloth, avarice, gluttony, and lust. Why are these important? These are very important because we all have propensities to a, a multitude of them. But what we find in the spiritual life, and we see this in the writings of Father Adolf Tanqueray in The Spiritual Life, he talks about the process of how do we actually uh, achieve it. And he speaks about uh, the science of the saints is actually what they say. The, in general, we must attack our predominant fault by striving to practice the contrary virtue. So we are to seek out our predominant fault. And so again, going back to those seven deadly sins, we have to identify what that is. And so pride, envy, anger, sloth, avarice, gluttony, and lust. Now, you know, one of the most common predominant faults for people is lust. Um, one of the ways that we often are able to identify what our predominant fault is, is through the out-of-body experience. Because in the out-of-body travel experience, we have the opportunity to experience energetic truth. We're taken into our own uh, defects. And so if we, if we either don't know what our predominant fault is, or if we are misidentifying it, um, it can be pointed out to us in that experience. But then we want to go, as Father Tanqueray states, 
we have to counter it with the opposite virtue. And so what are the seven virtues? We have chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, kindness, and humility. So let's just, let's just give a simple example. Lust can be tempered with chastity. Lust can be uh, tempered with temperance, prudence, uh, uh, diligence. Um, so we utilize um, these opposite virtues to discipline our interior and then eventually it comes outward into our exterior as well. And in some respects, we're going to actually discipline the exterior first, which will be our outward actions, and it will come back into our interior. So you'll find that you will start uh, ceasing to par partake of certain activities or actions in the external life, and it will slowly start manifesting further and further into your dream life, into your subconscious life. So you will be less and less susceptible to temptations um, in your waking world and slowly into your unconscious world as well. This is how purification will move through the soul. Um, and again, what I'd like to do is just encourage people, we're having an all day workshop where we're gonna go through this in more detail um, uh, on September 3rd. So please join us for that if you'd like to uh, you know, get into more of the details of this with us. But this is where we're talking about the seven vices and the seven virtues. And this is where purification begins. And so let's go back to a mystical theology, which is very important in this because basically mystical theology is this science of the soul, which we are going to uh, utilize to in, in, you know, in, inculcate our own purification. So um, that's very important. And, uh, and so there's a lot of different forms of the way that we do this. So uh, let's say here, Again, this is another thing from, I believe this is, this is Father Garagula Grange, who was also, uh, he wrote a, a grand book called The Three Ages of the Interior Life. Um, it's a two volume work encompassing mystical theology. This is a great uh, summarization of what we are trying to do. And it says this, in proportion as the soul grows. So let's remember, we're talking about the soul growing. The acts of humility, faith, hope, tend under the influence of the Holy Ghost to fuse in a gaze of ardent love. Now, I want you to contemplate this to fuse in a gaze of ardent love. He's talking about how we are looking towards God. And you know, one of the things that we really want to get across to people today is that this cannot be done truly without God. Why is this? Because God is the object of it. 
So if you remove the object of it, you're like a buoy on the ocean, just bopping around with the waves and the water moving through the tides. But if you are gazing in ardent love on the object, which is your destination, that is going to draw you closer to the all holy God. And that is what is going to energize your path. Now he says, hence, a simple method useful at the beginning should gradually give place to docility to the Holy Ghost who breathes where he will. The Holy Ghost breathes where he will. So this simple docility to receive, and boy, am I feeling that Holy Spirit right now. We want to be docile to receive from the Holy Spirit. Prayer thus tends to become a prolonged spiritual communion um, as the peasant of ours, whom we quoted above, defined it. He's speaking of the cure of ours, who was a priest who is also a saint. Quote, I look at our Lord and he looks at me, unquote. Mother Teresa also used to say that. So continuing with Father Lagrange, the prayerful soul says much in a few words, which he often says over and over without ever repeating himself. This prolonged spiritual communion is like the breathing of the soul or its repose in God. By faith and hope, it breathes in the truth and goodness of God and it breathes out love. What the soul receives from God under the form of ever new graces, it gives back to him under the form of adoration and love. Again, simplify, simplifying. This is telling us that something I often say in interviews, which is we are required to give back to creation that which creation gives to us. So everything that we receive, we will in effect also be asked to give to creation um, and this will happen in the ways that um, i've talked about a lot and wrote about a lot in the mysteries of redemption of how we serve other souls in the heavens hells and the purgatories um, in assisting other souls in their subconscious states and in the afterlife states and how we assist other souls who are seeking to move higher so I'm curious, Brian, if you have any thoughts on what, what we've been talking about here. <laughs> well, yeah, um, this is the great work of our life is our yes. soul. And so you are quoting some amazing souls that God has spoken through to assist us who have given us some amazing um, information about their experiences before they've passed on so it's their tools that we can use and i think it's fantastic these quotes that you're picking out yeah great okay um okay and so then we're talking about as well um what i'd like to do here is um go into 
and just kind of go back and forth a little bit with you, Brian, mm -hmm. with just a few quotes here, starting with um, in, in the Mysteries of the Redemption devotional. And as Brian is familiar with this, but I always speak about the writings of the prophets, saints, mystics, and sages as the gold. When I talked about the stairway from heaven, from earth to heaven and heaven to earth being paved with the books, the ancient sacred texts, I've talked about it this way because I've had many, many mystical visions where I was shown that the, that the path to heaven is paved and created literally by these steps made from these ancient sacred texts. And these are gold and they're gold because these are the words that were left behind by masters who had figured it all out, figured out what we need to do. And they left their last words before leaving this realm this time around. And so it all comes down to purification, discrimination, and then discipline, the grand phases of the soul. And so we are talking about that. We have some quotes from these golden authors, these golden quotes. One of them starting from uh, Dom Lorenzo Scupoli, a theatine uh, writer from the Middle Ages. Christian soul, if you seek to reach the loftiest peak of perfection and to unite yourself so intimately with God that you become one in spirit with him, you must first know the true nature of perfection of spirituality in order to succeed in the most sublime undertaking that can be expressed or imagined. Why is this quote so important? It's important because he's telling us there's something we do not know, that in order for us to seek it, we have to know this first. In order to understand the purification pathway, we have to understand that the thoughts, beliefs, ideas, the, um, the attitudes that we accept as being truth are not the highest truth. So we are now seeking to have a higher understanding, which requires us to now rise vibrationally in knowledge so that we can begin to understand what perfection actually means. And what is that, you know, I, one of the examples I like to use is you have to think, what does it mean to stand before all holy God. And then you can start really contemplating how far our thoughts are away from that moment. In some of the out-of-body experiences that I've had, when you stand before Christ, and it's not just my own, it's many of my spiritual counseling students have experienced this too. Uh, you are taken before Christ and you are literally thrown to the ground on your knees prostrate because it is not okay to not be on your knees and prostrate before the Lord because that is how holy a presence you stand within. We must understand what we are approaching. If we are to uh, seek purification, we have to first understand the nature of perfection. And that's what Dom Lorenzo Scucoli is trying to, you know, uh, say to us, you know. Um, 
And so then we have, I'm going to go from the Kitabi Agan, which was written by Baha'u'llah, the founder of the Baha'i faith. I'm a big fan of Baha'u'llah's writings. He was uh, not just a prophet, but a mystic. He was a true mystic. And his writings reflect this. And he wrote, quote, each manifestation of God hath a distinct individuality, a definitely prescribed mission, a predestined revelation, and specially designated limitations. Each one of them is known by a different name, is characterized by a special attribute, fulfills a definite mission, and is entrusted with a particular revelation. It is because of this difference in their station and mission that the words and utterances flowing from these wellsprings of divine knowledge appear to diverge and differ. Otherwise, in the eyes of them, listen carefully, otherwise in the eyes of them that are initiated into the mysteries of divine wisdom, all their utterances are in reality, but the expressions of one truth. You feel that gold coming out there? So what he is telling us here is he's explaining one of the things I often talk about as well. Every religion was founded for a particular purpose to bring in certain qualities for different parts of the world. If you meet with the mystics of the world religions in the mystical sphere, there is great unity. It's only when these doctrines and dogmas converge to meet in structure on the ground that these dichotomies and difficulties arise. They arise because God cannot be held in structure. God is not like that. <laughs> God is vast. God is greater than all of these things. And so he's telling us it all makes sense. And this coincides as well with what, you know, near-death experiencers and out-of-body travelers tell us. And I've experienced myself as well. When you enter into that stage of the out-of-body or near-death experience where you tap into the unconditional love of God, or the, um, the, the knowledge and the mind of God where all of a sudden you understand all mysteries and everything is made known to you. This is a very common part of NDEs and OBEs. You all of a sudden understand that everything does make sense. There is no contradiction. And that's what Baha'u'llah is trying to tell us. And he's telling us that the prophets all had a specifically defined mission for their time, for their era, for their part of the world, their people. And that when we bring it all together, it becomes one great big truth. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to understand that they all work for the same God. The royal family of God consists of the prophets, saints, mystics, and sages, and ascetics from every world religion, every tradition, every tribal culture from around the world, and believe it or not, from other worlds as well. It's not limited to this world alone. 
extraterrestrials are part of that royal family of God as well. Um, we need to stop limiting God with our ideas and our conceptions because we are not able to contain what God is. We are in structure, and this is why we have trouble um, fully comprehending it, and it's okay that we don't or that we full, can't fully, but in those moments of lucidity, in those experiences, we have those moments, and many people share those moments where all of a sudden they do get it. It comes together. It's an important, important path. Now, I want to throw in now a quote. Um, do you have any thoughts you want to throw in, Brian? You're doing great. You're doing fantastic. Okay. <laughs> Getting too excited here. Yeah, you're on a roll. Uh, but, you know, I want to go into Lakavi Vimalakirti because this is so important in the purification journey, something that everybody needs to hear. So I just want to grab him. Okay, so this is Lakavi Vimalakirti from the Holy Teaching of Vimalakirti. Quote, then the crown prince Manjusri said to Lakavi Vimalakirti, noble sir, how does the Bodhisattva follow the way to attain the qualities of the Buddha? Vimalakirti replied, Manjusri, when the Bodhisattva follows the wrong way, he follows the way to attain the qualities of the Buddha. I hope y'all listening. <laughs> Manjusri, noble sir, one who stays in the fixed determination of the vision of the uncreated is not capable of conceiving the spirit of unexcelled perfect enlightenment. However, one who lives among created things in the minds of passions is indeed capable of conceiving the spirit of unexcelled perfect enlightenment. For example, noble sir, without going out into the great ocean, it is impossible to find precious, priceless pearls. Likewise, without going into the ocean of passions, it is impossible to obtain the mind of omniscience. Now, Brian, do you know why I think that's so important? <laughs> yeah, well, I can't read your mind fully. <laughs> <laughs> Only like 80%. Uh, well, you know, to me, it's, it's so important uh, as we have to go into the passions to to uh, be able to understand about ourselves. We talked about Tezcatlipoca uh, out of the, the, the Maya tradition. And so one of the gods had to be someone who was, would reflect back onto us who we are. So he had the mirror as the foot so that we could see that darker nature of ourselves. Because if we can't see it, we can't do anything about it. Right. But if we can see that aspect of ourselves, we can go, oh, and like for some, the further and, you know, some saints uh, have, have gone into that, right? We could talk about that too. And they've gone deep and they've gone hard. St. Paul, right? For <laughs> and, uh, and many others. Um, and so the further you go in, the further you can see that darkness. And then the more opportunity that we have to heal and grow and expand and go even like a sound wave. Right? A sound wave can go way this way, but it also goes way that way. 
So if we did go away that way, it's like, oh, wow, I did that. That sucks. But, oh, look, and you can go just as far the other way to the good. Right. We have to dive into those passions. I mean, we don't have to. Hopefully we can, you know. But what it's telling us too, Brian, yeah. it's telling us, and this is what's great for everyone who's listening, is that you are right there on the right track. You know, because what is the most common question I get is, why do we have to do this if we need to figure it out and get purified anyway? This is why. Because we have to dive into that ocean. In order for real and true and authentic purification and authentic omniscience of mind and authentic enlightenment to occur, we have to dive in. We have to overcome it in a material world, a material manifestation. This is part of just the nature of how the universe flows. Ironically, um, you know, I, I had done some work. You can look this up on the site too. It's also on the same page. I wrote an article for a book called The Change with Dr. Rudy Shield, who was a Harvard Emeritus astrophysics professor. Um, about the science of moral law. One of the things he had shared with me was their discovering that everything in the universe is governed by this moral law. All energy and all energy seeks fulfillment in material manifestation. This is really important and I got to tell you, the Holy Spirit is slamming me up here. <laughs> it's just coming all over. So pay attention to this. So the goal of all energy is to seek manifestation in material manifestation. How many people do you know? I sure know, I know a lot. So uh, who say, and I say it myself. So, you know, got to say, I'm being honest here. I say it too. But everyone says, you know, I don't want to have to ever come back here. I want this to be my last time around. What do I need to do to make sure I'm not coming back here? Well, this is what we're talking about. Um, but you got to remember here, okay, so if all energy seeks to fulfill itself in material manifestation, that's really important information for us. Why? Because what it's telling us is that if we do not achieve the purification and the enlightenment, the discrimination dis discipline which follows from the material realm, it will not be complete and it will not be enough. In order to actually transcend what we look at as the material reality, we have to bring that purification and transformation fully into the material. By doing that, it doesn't necessarily change that we will never be a material being again, but it changes the fact that we will no longer be required to be a material being in the way that we are now again, which is leading a karmic existence in a mortal realm where the battles between good and evil, darkness and light are going on within us and outside of us, and that's a third and fourth dimensional realm. We may actually go to other material worlds, but we would be in a different type of material body that would manifest entirely differently based on the energetic vibrational elements 
that we take on during this life. So it tells us we have to make this happen from our material structure. The, this purification has to happen from our material structure. So we don't wanna just like, oh gosh, I just really wanna avoid this problem. We don't avoid this problem. Let's deal with the problem head on. The problem is right in front of us. And here we go back to, let's go all the way back to ancient Egypt with, uh, from the Emerald Tablets of Toth the Atlantean. And what's interesting about this, Brian, is that uh, this is all the way back before Christianity, before Buddhism, before Zarathustra, before all of it. Um, and this is the same thing. I want you to see how Baha'u'llah's words are truly reflected all the way back. I, Toth, have ever sought wisdom, searching in darkness and searching in light. <clears throat> Long in my youth, I traveled the pathway, seeking ever new knowledge to gain until after much striving, one of the three to me brought the light, brought he to me the commands of the dweller, called me from darkness into light. Each soul on earth that loosens its fetters shall soon be made free from the bondage of night. It hasn't changed. <laughs> the gold has not changed. The path has not changed. 3,500, 4,000, 5,000 years ago, the mystics were seeing the same thing that Baha'u'llah was shown in 1844. Do you see? And the same things that I'm being shown in, you know, the, in the late 1900s, early 2000s, you know, it's the same things. We're all seeing the same things. Um, let's go on to some more quotes. From the way of God, this is Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato, my favorite Jewish writer. God therefore arranged and decreed the creation of concepts of both perfection and deficiency, as well as a creature with equal access to both. This creature would then be given the means to earn perfection and avoid deficiency. Yes. <laughs> Let's go to Hinduism, the teachings of Lord Kapala. The stage in which the consciousness of the living entity is attracted by the three modes of material nature. This is where we are, is called conditional life. But when that same consciousness is attached to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one is situated in the consciousness of liberation. So what is he saying that is any different from Dom Lorenzo Scupoli, who was a Catholic theatine, when he said that we are to have our gaze on God? This is the key. We have our gaze on God. The Hindu teacher, Lord Kapala, he must focus and be situated in the supreme personality of Godhead. They're all saying the same thing.
Here we go again. This is from the Bhagavad Gita, uh, Hindu. One must deliver himself with the help of his mind and not degrade himself. The mind is the friend of the conditioned soul and his enemy as well. For him who has conquered the mind, the mind is the best of friends. But for one who has failed to do so, his mind will remain the greatest enemy. So you see here, see what, what they're saying. This is the discipline pathway. This is when we are disciplining the mind. We are reconditioning the way that we think about things so that we can alter the direction that our soul is going because we have reflected through purification, discrimination. We have learned a lot about energetic truths, the things that God actually requires us if we are seeking him as our ultimate aim, then we must now understand that our mind has to be disciplined to think differently. If we want to change our direction, you know, when we start out, we are either thinking directionally downward, if our thoughts are of a darker nature, we could be thinking outward, if our thoughts are just on the ground surface, the material world. But when we enter into the purification pathway, when we enter into the path of the prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics, we must change the direction to that end point, which is always upward, and that goal is always God. You must keep that as your end point. By doing so, the direction of your life dramatically shifts and alters completely. Does that make sense, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. If there's oh. um, created things, right, that is non-eternal, everything that we see is something that's created through God, but it's not going to be here. What's eternal is our soul. And so we come in here with certain proclivities and in fact, you have to have uh, some of these issues in order to come here. It's a prerequisite. And so we right. come here and then we lose our focus on these earthly things that are surrounding us that are just temporary and forget about the eternal journey of our soul. And to get back, our, our guidance is God. So we get back whoop, zoop, with God and he helps us right. back on the track. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, yes. So we always, you know, in Buddhism, they talk about one-pointedness. And that is the same thing, that your mind be one-pointed, your thinking be one-pointed, directional towards the good. And they're speaking of the same thing, where we, we are getting rid of all of this clatter, these fetters, these attachments, these cravings, these sins, these things that hold us back from the goal. And we are doing this not because we are determining these things are terrible, inferior, or, or horrible. We're not making value judgments. We're making a simple judgment of if God is my goal, 
if the one-pointed direction of enlightenment is my goal, these things hinder that. These things are in the way of my reaching that as my goal. And so you let them go because they prevent you from attaining that which you seek. Another, I want to throw out a quote from Muhammad. Uh, it's just a short one, which is important. And I, I want you to contemplate as we speak this, um, paying attention. It's from the Holy Quran. Allah causes the night and the day to succeed one another. Surely there is a lesson in this for those who have sight. You know, this is one of those moments where Muhammad is speaking mystically, where he's telling us, darkness precedes the light. This is the lesson. Night precedes the day. We all wish to seek this, and that is the goal of our evolutionary path in this life. We don't want it. We do not want to continue to perpetuate the night. We want to bring about the dawn, the daybreak, the light. And coming from also from the Talmud, cleave to the noble and they will also bow to thee. And this is in part, one of the things going back to, we have the vices, we have the virtues. In the heavenly spheres, there are demons that are associated with the vices. There are angels that are associated with the virtues. So when we are cleaving to the noble, we are actually cleaving to certain beings. It's not as nebulous as one might think. It is very clearly we are cleaving to noble ideals. And as we cleave to noble ideals, because our thoughts and the nature of what and who we are attracts angels or demons, we are literally creating what we will become by cleaving to the noble. If we cleave to the opposite, then we can determine from that that we will be creating something else. See? Which is so why the work that we're doing today is so important because we have the eternalness of the soul. And right. so if we don't get rid of these fetters here, then we gotta deal with them another journey. So the, exactly. more, the more work we can do on the soul during this lifetime. Uh, yes, the, that the is the work time. that we are here to do. And yes, I appreciate you bringing that up because it is so important. A lot of people say, well, I'll do that after I die. And it's like, well, you're missing the point. We were placed here to do it here, to bring it into materiality. And so you know, going back to um, the astrophysics um, discoveries that we discussed, we are going to bring that into physicality. You know, we talk about creating peace on earth. Um, how do we make things better? It's by bringing noble ideals into the material world. And we do that by doing it within ourselves first. And when we do it within ourselves, and when we make it possible for others to then also do the same, we are energetically altering the nature 
of this world and this realm and the potential of this world as well as the potential of our own individual life. And so this is where purification, discrimination, and discipline become literally the cornerstone of bringing all of that into materiality and fulfilling the purpose of our incarnation in this life. And what I want to do now, Brian, is um, um, try to do what we're going to do here is a miniature version of what we'll do in the uh, all day workshop. But we're going to try to take you on a hypnotic journey into the pure lands and um, have a little mini, mini experience um, with a master and see if we can bring some vibration back for you. And we'll start there and we'll take a much uh, more deeper dive. Um, when we return uh, during the uh, all day thing that we're gonna do. Okay, so let's all get ready now. Let's find a lying down position. So whether that's on the floor, on the bed, on a couch, I always recommend that people lie down for these meditations and hypnosis because I want the body to be able to completely let go. So if you're going to go into an out-of-body state at any point um, during your actual daily meditations, you want your body to be able to let go and set free. So um, that's why we always I always recommend lying down. So find a good, comfortable lying down position. It looks like we got Brian in a comfortable spot. Are we ready to go, Brian? Yep, I'm ready to go. Okay, so go ahead and close your eyes and start getting comfortable. Allow your all your body parts to kind of relax. Arms, your legs, and your body. Just start feeling all of that. We're going to take a shortened journey to the Pure Lands today. We'll take a longer one in our day-long workshop, but we're going to take a shortened journey today. So start allowing yourself to experience um, each part of your body as it kind of just lets go. Um, so just feel your muscles letting loose in the hands and the feet, and the legs and the arms, whatever tension you're feeling in any of these systems, just, just release it as you move through the torso. Chest and in your back. And in the back of your neck, you want your neck to be very comfortable. Head. You even want to be aware of that with your eyes, your nose, and your mouth. Just relaxing all of those. Your eyes just let free, let free. Get rid of that tension in your eyes. For those watching, I'm doing a little technique that I was taught in the mystical states and the out-of-body travel states by the angels to connect my fingers. Then I connect it to my third eye, directional towards the person I'm working with. Helps me to connect to what they're experiencing. So that's what I'm doing. 
all of you who are watching, feel free to do this with us. But I'm also going to be asking Brian what he's experiencing. You also can follow along and have your own experience at the same time. So I'm going to be counting forward from one to 10. And with each number, the trance state is going to deepen by 10,000 fold. I want you to allow that trance state to deepen with each number one. Going deeper, deeper, deeper. Things getting lighter, lighter. Three, just let all those muscles go. Everything is loose, relaxed, and free. Four, deeper, deeper. Allow the silence itself to embrace you. Five, you to focus on your breath as well. So as you're going deeper, you just focus on your breathing in and out. Any thoughts come into your mind, just let them go. If you have trouble letting them go, don't worry about that. Just keep letting them go and continue to return your thoughts to your breath. Six, Going deeper. Seven. You may start feeling like tingling and numbness coming over some parts of your body because the weightlessness, the depth of your trance state connecting you to the vibrational state of your soul. Eight. You allow this tingling, this numbness, this vibration, because it is good. Nine. Ten. You find yourself now in the galactic heavens. 
who are standing amidst the stars and amidst the nebula. There is a swirling set of stars before you that is forming into a gateway, a tunnel, a corridor, so to speak, between worlds. You watch it carefully as it is forming. You allow it to form fully, but you know that when it is complete, you will step into this because it is going to take you through time and space to your destination, which today will be the Pure Lands. And when you are ready, step into the tunnel, allow it to suck you up into the spiraling energy as you shoot through space at the speed of thought. Feel the pressure, the vibration, the almost like a sucking you through space sensation. Feels very good. It's very intense at the same time. You get around that, it's intense. Off in the distance, you'll see a light. That's your destination. Swirling and swirling towards that light. As you come upon that light, you slow down enough to drop through from the above into this realm and land carefully on its surface. Pure lands are the places where the masters reside. You may notice that there are two suns in the sky that even in broad daylight, you can see that there are four moons. You'll see that there is no mass retained here. Everything is purified. There are no defiled thoughts, actions, words, or deeds. All has been processed here. Prophets, saints, mystics, sages, ascetics from all time, all ages, all religions, all tribes, all cultures. They're all around. Some of them sit quietly beneath trees in meditation or reading. Others float quietly by while others are gathered in groups discussing methods of service and ways that they may serve the worlds in the below. And everything is very bright and filled with light here and beautiful. It's clear, pure light. There is no
defilement. Everything is peace, quiet, stillness, wisdom. As you're looking around you, tell me what you see, Brian. I see deep blue. <clears throat> I see light that pierces through the deep blue. See beings floating. I see a sage by a tree sitting in the grass. See clouds flowing energetic, multicolored grass. Fields of it just blowing side to side in the wind. There's a tone I hear. It is informing, calming. I smell what kind of smell, what kind of tone. Smell is like flower like rose. The tone is something that fills the inside of my head. It's like a vibration, almost like little tiny lights just swirling around. Beautiful. As you look and amongst all the masters who are here, do you see one that you feel calls you to them more than the others? Yes, the sage by the tree. Go to him or her. What does this sage look like? Long black hair. Golden robes with some white in them. Brown, light brown skin. 
light, an aura that encircles this being. Color is his aura or her? It's both or neither her or him. It's golden and white. And there's yellow and then it's a circle like a sun, and then there's an outline of different gradations of sun-like colors. Can you ask the sage if this person has vibration for you? If so, if they can share it with you. Before I asked, the energy already encompassed me. It, the aura just kind of spread out. Like, I don't know. Huh. You need it now? It, it spread all over me as the aura just became giant and and then I was inside of it and it's I'm completely in it like I'm in water. Beautiful. And it's filling me with the golden white lights and energy. Allow yourself to absorb. I feel like my whole body is not there, that it's just an outline that's empty. An outline of my body, but it's now just sparkling light and rays. So there's still form from the outline, but the outline is made up of this light energy ask the sage if he has anything verbal to say to you he may or may not I'm intimidated by hearing anything verbal so understand I'm going to Try to give that up. Okay. When you are ready, bow to the sage 
and say namaste, thank you for greeting me here. I am speaking to your subconscious now. You will be able to reach this master in your dreams, meditations, thoughts, walks, words, deeds, out-of-body travels, consciousness journeys, and other spiritual practices when you go back to consciousness an indelible link has been achieved between you and this master and the pure lands and you will be able to reach to it anytime you need guidance wisdom hope or peace Know that this will be available to you very easily just by asking for it. Step back just a little bit outside of the aura and observe as the star tunnel is now forming again in the ethers. And again, when you feel comfortable, you'll step into the tunnel knowing that it's going to transport you back to the galactic heavens. You'll feel that sucking sensation and that pressure as it pulls you through time and space. Off in the distance, you can see the destination just above the earth, where you will gracefully and peacefully land. When you have done so, we're going to bring you back into conscious awareness, counting back from 10 to 1, each number bringing you out of the trance state further and closer to consciousness. 10. Start associating some feeling in your body. Nine. Eight. Notice your hands and your feet, maybe your arms and legs. Seven. Trunk and your torso. Six. Five, your neck, your head, four, your mouth, 
eyes, your nose, your face. Three, you're almost back into your normal conscious waking reality. And one, open your eyes, come back into this world. We are out of time for this one. I hope everyone joins us for our all-day workshop. And a little exercise I'd like to give everyone is to commence with doing um, a daily examination of conscience. And what I'd like to recommend is Father Timothy Gallagher's Discernment of Spirits according to um, the Examine of St. Ignatius of Loyola. You can get that on DVD and it is profoundly helpful in getting a practice like this started. You can also go to the website outofbodytravel.org, go to Out of Body Books, download um, Astral Projection Made Easy and utilize that as a daily devotional meditation for out of body travel practice, but also download Come to Wisdom's Door the Mysteries of the Redemption, Near-Death and Out-of-Body Experiences, Auspicious Births and Deaths of the Prophets, Saints, Mystics, and Sages in World Religions, and one we haven't yet mentioned, which is At the Feet of the Masters, which will help you get acquainted with some of the great masters that we're trying to introduce you to. And of course, watch the grand phases of the soul produced by our very own Brian Malam and join us for our day-long workshop coming up. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Brian, for doing this with me. And uh, well, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> no, it was just fantastic. I think that uh, I've worked with a lot of uh, hypnosis and some renowned people, and you have a unique perspective and gift with this. And so I'm just very honored to have been a part of this with you and looking forward to working with you for in the future and for the upcoming sessions. It should be great. Awesome. It will be great. It will be great. So thank you, Brian. And thank you, everyone else. We hope to see you again soon. And... <laughs>